is a lineup of people of great faith. People who um, tried so hard in this world to live according to their conscience and their faith and their trust in God. Even before there was a Bible for them to have to read, even before there was any organized churches for them to be able to meet, they had a relationship with God. I want to read verse 39. I want to start there in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. I want you to notice how they got their good report. It was not their goodness, but it was through faith. Faith is the thing that makes us really just believe what God says. Matter of fact, I started to illustrate this today, but I didn't trust anybody in here enough to catch me. I started to say... <laughs> maybe 50 pounds ago. <laughs> but I started to just get here on the front of this platform and just fall backwards. I don't trust you that much, brother. Because that's what faith is. It's fully trusting who you are able to throw your all in with. Now, um, I love you, buddy, but I don't, I don't not, not as a catcher for me. But I, want you to, I, I wanted you to understand that, that faith is the only way we can ever get the approval of God. I can't be good enough. I can't be smart enough. I can't even do enough to get the favor of God. But I want to read this again. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. What was the promise? The promise was Jesus Christ in the flesh. That He was coming into the world to redeem mankind. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Notice what he's saying. They can't have their reward completed until I've lived my life and you've lived your life. We are all contributing to the value of the reward for those that have gone on ahead of us. I don't think we really understand how much we have to depend on other people who went ahead of us and paid a great price. You know, I'm standing on the shoulders of some big people today. And I don't mean just physically, but I mean spiritually. We're all standing on the shoulders of great men and women of God who went through tough times to make it so we could enjoy what we enjoy today. And I want to tell you that God provided a better thing for us he provided Jesus Christ who gave us the way that we ought to live in order to be pleasing unto God. 
So I want you to see how we are connected to the people who've already lived and died. That they, without us, shall, should not be made perfect. So I have an obligation to the people who've already lived and died and invested in my life and believed in me, I have an obligation to fulfill what God has called me to do so I can add to their rewards throughout eternity. Wherefore then, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I got to thinking about the setting. I want to talk a little bit about the setting, then the struggle, and then the stare. I want you to understand what I'm talking about here. Probably the best way to picture that is to picture the Olympic Games. The Bible is um, very replete with uh, words and phrases that refer to sports and running and, and uh, competitions and struggles and contests. Many of you may not remember, but I do. 1992 Summer Olympics, when a young lady named Gail Devers, Gail Devers was an American sprinter who was a leader in the 100-yard, 100-meter, rather, hurdles, was out ahead, and she tripped over the very last barrier and caused her, of course, to lose the race. But she agonizingly pulled herself up to her knees and crawled the last five meters, finishing fifth, but finishing nevertheless. Now, there may be times that you have to crawl to get where you want to go. <laughs> but if you got your eyes on the prize and the finish line, it's better to crawl than it is to just lie there and feel sorry for yourself. Even more emotional than that in these same Olympics, the 400 meters semifinal, British runner Derek Redmond, I remember that, tore a hamstring and fell on the track hard. He struggled to his feet and began to hobble as best he could, determined to finish the race. Suddenly, out of the stands, a man went running toward him and helped pick him up and put his arm around him. It was his dad. And with his dad holding on to him and him holding on to his dad, they leapt across the finish line together. And the stands were absolutely deafening with the applause and the praise that went to this, this beautiful symbol of how much we need one another. And I wanted, to, I wanted to bring that illustration to you to show you that these people who have gone on ahead of us might have already fallen, 
might have already gone on in their re eternal rewards, but they have their arms linked with ours, and we are helping carry on what they started long ago. I can remember when churches were fought so hard, people did not want the churches in their communities, especially full gospel churches, especially people that believed in the power and the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. I remember when, when they would put up these little shacks. Anybody ever heard of brush arbors? When they would put up these little old lean-tos that had nothing but some branches of trees on the top of them to keep the hot sun from bleaking down so hard on them. And people did not want them in their communities. And they would throw tomatoes at them. They would throw eggs at them. Anything to try to discourage them and to keep them from getting into those communities. But those are men and women who had their eyes on the prize and they believed that the struggle was worth it and they stayed true to it and now we have beautiful churches in communities and we preach the word of God and unashamedly we talk about the power of the Holy Ghost. You remember the man that came to Jesus and said, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, now hang on. I want you to understand what you're saying. Jesus said, I want you to know that the foxes have their holes and the birds of the air have their nest, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Jesus is saying, you need to understand it's not always going to be easy. You're not going to always be in the lap of luxury. You're not going to always have everything that you want. But I want to tell you when you follow me, there is a price to pay. But I promise you following me is going to be well worth it. But he said, I want you, hallelujah. But he said, I want you to count the cost. And I want you to understand that being a Christian involves commitment, involves discipline. But he said, once you have counted the cost, put your hand to the plow and don't ever look back, but keep going forward. You know, the Christian doesn't know the word retreat. We don't know anything about stopping. If I have a, if I have a title to give to this message today, I want you to know I would say it's don't quit. Just don't quit. It's so easy for people to get discouraged and just give up. But I want you to realize there are going to be difficulties along the way. So we need to understand now the setting is like a big Olympic stadium where you've got all these people gathered if you read the 11th chapter of Hebrews, you'll find all of them, or many of them, who were named. And they're in the Faith Hall of Fame, I like to call it. They're the ones, they're part of the crowd that are gathered in the great stadium. And they're watching and looking and thinking about what is going on. Now, I've been given a lot of thought to this. 
Matter of fact, I've preached for a long time that the people who have gone on ahead of us are looking down on us and cheering for us. But I've come to the conclusion, I don't, I don't think that's a real picture of what's there. I, I believe people in heaven's got more to do than to sit there and watch what I'm doing or what you're doing. They're so busy in their worship of the living God that I just don't think that they're standing there watching every move that I make. They are witnesses. It didn't say that they were watching us. It says they are witnesses. In other words, they are bearing testimony to what God can do in their lives. I wanted you to understand that because every one of those in chapter 11 dealt with a different thing in their walk. But every one of them had one thing in common. They had their eyes on the prize. They believed that there was something better. They believed that there was something out there and that whatever was out there was far better than anything that they were having to face in this world. So I want you to understand there's a lot of people who have already gone on. Yes, they are cheering. Yes, they are praising God. But they are not cheering for me. They're cheering for Jesus because they tell us, looking unto Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I don't have any problem believing that they probably are aware of some things, but I just don't think they sit there all day long uh, watching me and seeing what kind of a mess I'm going to make next. Because I think they are so busy in their adoration and worship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and nothing that is uh, disappointing or nothing in this world that could affect them negatively, they would never be aware of it. Because as the song says, heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and with grace, and sin can never enter there. It will stop you at the door and bar you out forevermore. Sin can never enter there. I'm telling you, we have a covering for our sins. King James calls it a propitiation. It means a covering. It means all of those sinful things that you've been involved in in your life. When you come to Jesus Christ and when you ask Him into your life and you confess all that, He covers you with His blood. Hallelujah. So that when God the Father looks at you, He does not see all those messes that we made. He sees the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, covering all of the junk and all of the mistakes and all of the failures is all covered in the blood. When God sees you, He sees His Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah and hallelujah. Somebody said to me not long ago, and I, I, I'm in agreement with it, that if you want to get anything done anymore, you got to know somebody. If you know the right person, they know how to cut the corners. They know how to get rid of the red tape. 
and they can push it through and they call it expedited for your own benefit if you know the right person. Well, I want to tell you, I know the right person. I know the one that even though hell was made for the devil and his angels, I'm not one of those. I know the right person that says you don't have to be a part of that. I've made a heaven glory to God. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I do, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Hallelujah. It's all about him. <laughs> glory to God. In, in this chapter 12, he says, wherefore. Wherefore, that means it's connecting it to chapter 11. Wherefore, seeing we, look at the we, saying you're not in this thing alone. That's a plural form. That's saying you're part of a much bigger figure and a much bigger picture than just you. <laughs> it's, you're in it. <laughs> but you're not the only one in it. You, you, you're, you're not fighting these battles by yourself. You got other people who are with you, whose arms are linked with you. Even though you might fall on the tarmac, you might not be able to get up on your own. Somebody is coming running from the stands and they're going to pick you up and they're going to help you along the way. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to the living God. And this is exactly what he's saying. Wherefore, seeing we also. He said, now my name ain't in the Faith Hall of Fame chapter 11, but he said, I'm part of the we. And look at the word also. I like that. Not only will it be those in chapter 11 and all of the ones that he didn't name, but he said, I'm one of them too. We also are compassed about with all of those who went on before us. So he said, because of that, because our arms are linked inextricably to theirs, I'm going to lay aside every weight. I used to play a little bit of football and a little bit of basketball. And one thing I noticed with these coaches, early in the season, we'd strap ankle weights on. We'd put those ankle weights on, and man, it was hard to pick up your legs. And we'd actually go through about half of the practice with the ankle weights on. It's hard to run, period, for me. But when you put on ankle weights, it really gets hard to run. He was teaching us that you got to get used to that heavier stuff. But there came a time, we went in there one day for practice, and he said, take off the ankle weights. Man, I felt like I was 100 pounds lighter. I felt like I could jump so high. And this is what he's saying here. Seeing we've got all these people who paid the price, who believed in Jesus, who, who, who did what was necessary to be done, 
seeing we've got those sitting in the crowd and cheering for Jesus and telling us Jesus is the key, Jesus is the key, Jesus is the key. Seeing that, he said, let us take off the ankle weights. Let's take off all of those things. The word actually, the word actually speaks of a suitcase. Of picking up a suitcase and carrying and carrying it with you. And you're trying to walk holding a heavy suitcase. I remember one time I, I landed in the airport in Cincinnati. And you know, I always been a cheapskate. I didn't want to pay money I didn't have to pay. So I figured, you know, I'm landed in, and, and the airport is shaped like a horseshoe. So I landed, we, our plane, our plane landed and we, we got off the plane in one end of it. And of course I had to go to the, right, to the right bay for the other one, the right gate. And I said, well man, I just rolled these suitcases, there ain't no problem. I'm not paying somebody to carry these or I'm not going to rent one of those buggies to push my suitcases on. I'm too cheap for that. So I started rolling them and I've got, I got a week's worth of clothes and I got a shoulder bag. So I start rolling that thing. I picked it up and carried it a while. After a while, that got to be too much of a job. So I just tried to roll it a while. I didn't know that that thing was a half a mile from all the way around it, it was huge. And I had to do all of that to get to where I was going now. If I hadn't had the shoulder bag, and if I hadn't had a week's worth of clothes in a suitcase, I could have made the walk okay. But you know, when you've got that weight, when you've got that baggage, it makes going a whole lot more difficult. And I'm telling you right now, there's too many people trying to live in victory who's got too much baggage and too many things that's holding them back and they're not free to serve God and worship God like we ought to. Give God praise and glory. He is worthy. He is worthy to be praised. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We want to be inspired. We think about that. Think about Noah. Now I'm not one of the most patient people in the world. My wife would tell me tell you that. I hope she doesn't, but she probably would. Traffic drives me up the wall. And I tell you around Florence anymore, I don't know where all these cars have come from. Suddenly, we've been invaded with cars and trucks and everything else you can name that's out there on the highways. And I, I don't do well when somebody sits at the traffic light ahead of me and the light changes and turns green and they're busy looking at something in their lap and they're just sitting there I don't know why I'm always in such a hurry, but I'm always in too much of a hurry for that. But I don't do well with that. But I can hear Noah saying to me, hey, you think that's bad? I preached for 120 years. 
It took me a hundred years to build the boat and not a single person heard my voice except my family. So every time I think about that car ahead of me and that guy's head that's in his phone, you know, I can almost hear Noah whisper and say, just be calm, buddy. It hadn't taken you 120 years, you know, to get where you're going. So you, I, I'm, I'm tied to them. What they went through should be a lesson to me and what I'm going through. I can, I can remember, I can remember Abraham when God had promised him he was going to be the father of many nations. And, 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 and when, when this stuff don't happen as fast as I think it ought to happen, I can hear Abraham say, well, you know, hey man, God promised me the son that would be the seed for the nation Israel. <laughs> I waited a hundred years for this to take place. So how in the world can I complain when I hadn't had to wait a hundred years. But I want to tell you, on and on I can go, Joseph was sold into slavery. Then he was falsely accused and he was put into prison, but he always maintained his integrity and his honor before God. I want to be a man of integrity. I want to be a man of honor that no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what's happening, no matter how bad it is, no matter what other people are saying, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that that I've committed unto him against that day. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I can hear Joseph say it doesn't take a lot of faith for you to believe when everything's going your way. But when things turn the other way, you know, you got to dig down deep and find something to hang on to, to believe in. My nephew Jason recently, at only 41 years of age, young man, loved the Lord, just a strong witness for God. Young man with three small children. And yet he lay down right in his living room and died with a heart attack at just a moment of time. And I, had, I really wrestled with things like that. See, I know so many people that ain't worth the world wouldn't really lose anything really good if they were no longer here. Why would a good young man who loved the Lord and then the thought comes to me, he loves the Lord. The one who is not yet where he ought to be. God's mercy and grace has opened it up and he's got another chance and another opportunity to serve the Lord. Wherefore then, seeing we've got this great cloud of witnesses. But he says, I, I want you to be prepared for the struggle that is ahead. The, 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 that, anybody in here old enough to remember the Johnny Weissmuller Tarzan movies? Let me pull up my britches a minute. Are you old enough to remember they were in black and white? 
Yeah, there's a few of you honest enough to raise your hand. You know, he would, all of a sudden, there would be some kind of a catastrophe. And the elephants would be running. And the giraffes would be running. And the hippopotamus would be running. And there's old Johnny Weissmuller. He's got the knife in his teeth. And he jumps in the river. And he's got to swim to get to where he needs to be. You know, he swings through those big vines all the way into the jungle till he gets there and he swims in the river. And all of a sudden, there's an octopus of all things in the river. And one of those long old arms of that octopus grabs him and tries to pull him down. Well, good old Tarzan, he takes the knife out of his teeth and he cuts off that arm. And then there's another arm. And, he, and, and all of a sudden, this blue stuff is all over the water. But old Tarzan saves the day. Amen? That's exactly what I'm talking about. There, I, I want to tell you, even Tarzan had struggles. Everyone has struggles. But I want to tell you, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but He will with that temptation also make a way to escape that you will be able to bear it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, the third thing they tell us is to look unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's the third part of this. That's the answer to being successful in your walk with God. Is looking unto Jesus. I didn't say looking at the preacher. So many people are so hung up on following man till they don't know how to follow God anymore. No one should be able to control you. Some of these, some of these jack legs that call themselves prophets and apostles and all this stuff, they're selling you that spring water that you got to Buy it, you send them a hundred dollars and they'll send you three drops of holy water. And it's supposed to deliver. Folks, listen, we have gone further in the Lord than that. We know better than that. We know there is power in the name of Jesus. He said there are no gimmicks. There are no tricks about it. You look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. What was the joy that was set before him? The joy that was set before him was the realization that he had redeemed mankind back to a holy God. Because we were lost eternally. We had no chance. We had no hope. But Jesus came. Ha! And he set the captive free. Jesus came and his blood has washed away all of our sins. Now if you want to be saved, you can be saved. 
You don't have to go to the priest anymore and confess your sins. You go straight to God through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There again, who is the propitiation for our sins. Glory to God. We need to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. If you ever go to Williamsburg, Virginia, get a chance to go there, they'll explain to you what the meaning of why you have to lift your hands when you take the oath in a court of law. I thought it was really interesting. It really goes all the way back to medieval times when someone was being tried for a crime and the evidence seemed overwhelmingly against him. There was a way out. He could stand up and say, I plead the benefit of clergy. Now when he pled the benefit of clergy, everyone was aghast because that was the same as an admission of guilt. But it was his last hope, his last chance. So a clergyman would come in with a selected passage of Scripture, usually from Psalms 51, the confession of David for all the sins he had committed. He would hand it to the accused and say, here, read this. It was kind of a forerunner of the lie detector test. The law said he could, if he could read it without stammering or stuttering, he would be set free even though the evidence against him was overwhelming. But if he stumbled or stammered just one time, he was judged guilty. Usually a guilty person could not read that passage of Scripture without stammering or stuttering. So they were found guilty. But when someone read it perfectly and was set free, they branded the palm of his hand with the brand of the cross. You see, you could only claim the benefit of clergy one time. So every time someone would come into the court to be sworn in, they wanted to find out if they had ever taken advantage of the cross. So they would hold up their hand with their palm be invisible. So if they saw the sign of the cross, they couldn't use it again. And I want to tell you one thing. If when God looks at us, if He can see the sign of the cross, if He looks at our lives and He can see the evidence of the cross, then we are declared to be free and we are declared to be people and saints of God. I'm here to tell you today, you need to be encouraged. Looking unto Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, the beginning and the end, who endured the cross, he didn't like what he had to go through. He despised the shame. We don't have much shame in this country anymore. Maybe I need to say that again. We don't have very much shame in this country anymore. But Jesus despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He said, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, 
lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Look at verse 4. You have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. It hasn't cost you blood yet. All you've had to go through is some rough patches, some brief interruptions, some small things that stopped you for a little while. You haven't had to shed your blood yet. So we look unto Jesus who did shed his blood, who did become everything that we could never become, who passed it on then to us. I'm so thankful today that he saw this old boy down there in the country and he loved me enough to call me and put a calling in my heart and I have believed it since that day that I am where God has put me and called me to be. And I bless him today. I thank him today. He's everything and more that I could ever be. Glory to God. I bless him and honor him. Let's stand together as we worship the Lord and think about the goodness of the Lord for the faith that we have to believe that God's word is just exactly what it, that's what faith is. That I believe God will, will, not can, I believe that God will do exactly what His Word says that He will do. That's faith. Amen? If you're going to trust the Lord for that, then you're going to believe that your loved ones will be saved. You're going to believe that your body is healed in the name of Jesus. You're going to believe that your finances are put in order in the name of Jesus. You're going to believe that we're going to walk in favor and walk in the blessings of God all the days of our life. That's faith. I believe God's doing that. I believe it's coming to pass in my life every day. I'm walking in healing and I'm walking in favor and I'm thanking God every day for His abundant blessings my life. God, I praise you today and I thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that speaks to us in the day that we're living today when so many things have been turned aside. So many things in our nation have changed and not for the good. Lord, I pray that you'll have mercy on us. Pray that you'll have mercy on us as a church. Let us feel the fire of the power of the Holy Ghost one more time. Let us see an outpouring, a move of God. Let us see something miraculous taking place every day in our lives. Father, we bless you and we thank you today. God, increase our faith. Help thou mine unbelief. God, help me to trust you. There are times that my faith has wavered and I haven't been able to get what I know the Lord's will would be for me to have. My faith has wavered, but God, help my unbelief. God, help my unbelief. Lord, I'm honest enough to admit that there are times I have not trusted you as completely as I should. I admit that. I wonder how many of you today, without coming to the front, 
But how many of you would agree with me? There are times that I haven't trusted and believed like I should. I want to see your hand. Amen. There are times that I haven't trusted God like I should. But God, I'm asking you to forgive me for all of that junk, all of that nonsense, all of those many times that I wasted so much time before I actually came to you and believed in you and watched you do a miracle for me. And I thank you for that now. In the name of Jesus, I bless you. Now may the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the sweet communion and fellowship of the Holy Ghost, rest and abide with you both now and forevermore. Amen and amen.